Yeah, prime whiskey time. Whiskey, whiskey, the singer's getting sore. We raise the roof, now we're lowering the floor. The band is blistering, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, you say three, four. One, two, three, four. Welcome to The Whiskey Topic, the weekly podcast that tends to get off topic. My name is Mark Bylock. I'm the author of The Whiskey Cabinet, and my co-host is Jamie Johnson, who runs a private but approachable bourbon club here in Toronto, Canada. This week's topic is really a casual catch-up on some whiskey news, including whiskey gimmicks, Bald and Bond Act, why people keep sending whiskey into space, what's up with that? And we talk more about lawsuits. So, so rumor is, Mark, that you, um, <laughs> that you were drinking doubles of Booker's last night? Yeah, doubles of bookers for $12, which, you know, in Canada, that's really cheap. I mean, it's really I, cheap. I was going to say in Kentucky, that's probably like, yeah, of course it's $12, but not for doubles. Like doubles, are you kidding me? Oh, How do you feel today? A little slow, you know, a little, um, <laughs> I had a late start to the day. I'm glad I was glad I had a vacation day today because I was going to be like this, this, this would not be a good day if I had to like actually do real work. Oh, you, you didn't have to work. That's excellent. If, if that was me and I had been drinking doubles of Booker's, I would be, like, crying on this, like, microphone right now. I'd be, like, sobbing. Like, you've heard me hungover on on here before. But it gets, like, you're so gentle about it. You're just like, yeah, it's a little slow. I'd be, like, in the corner crying, like, yeah. make it stop. I, I, I it, today, it was not a bad hangover. It was, I, I. Keeps, I keep thinking, like, it's just because I, I woke up. I was a little bit buzzed. I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad. I mean, I, I got my five hours of sleep, so that's good. Um, and, and, yeah, if I, I don't think I would have gone out, out last night if I actually uh, had to work today because that would be an entirely different problem. And you didn't even have McDonald's breakfast or anything? No, I uh, went out for coffee. Uh, Nicole and I went out for coffee with Thor, and then we basically um, – then I basically made hard-boiled eggs because that's exciting. <laughs> my god that's the worst hangover breakfast ever it's so lame mark (laughs) i know it's like uh, yeah i guess it could have been an excuse to go to mcdonald's oh my gosh mcdonald's or like anywhere like if you had the day off the fact that you didn't go to like sunset grill and get like two fried eggs home fries bacon toast oh Oh, i'm so hungry right now (laughs) i'm so hungry I have to say this is very, very frustrating, very frustrating part of me that that I, I hate myself for even even thinking this. But I'm just like, yeah, um, you know, I don't really have smoothies in the morning. And so my thinking is if I have something even less healthy, I'm going to feel even worse. So I should go with something more healthy <laughs> than, oh than any other day. God. I know. I know. This is it's terrible. I, I, I'm, I hate myself. I really do. That's the opposite reaction to what I have. It's like if I'm hungover, it's all about like screwing the whole day. It's like it eat all of the shittiest things that you can find go out and buy shitty food and bring it home <laughs> so i'm swearing a lot <laughs> oh, you are. It's just, i'm swearing a lot sorry it's just how i feel when i'm hungover i'm just i it's like a free-for-all and and cry as much as possible and like sleep and whine and Oh, I don't even know like Man, how just... people deal with me. I sound like a nightmare. <laughs> I, I don't say. want to deal with myself when I'm hungover. That sounds really <laughs> exhausting. Jeez. <laughs> it is exhausting. That's why it can't happen that often. That's why I have to be really careful, especially if when I'm eating really well. Like right now, I'm I'm being very good and I'm eating you know I'm eating pretty well. It's the summer, so you know salads and all these this fresh garbage food, and I um so. Sometimes, like, 
alcohol is great, like right to my head when I'm eating this well because I'm not eating a whole lot of like bread and like delicious food. So yeah, I find it doesn't take as much to get me a little buzzed uh, as like during the winter where it's like <laughs> right it's like bread as much bread as i can like fit in my mouth at once and like gotta you know store up for the winter <laughs> yeah then i can drink as much as i want and i feel fine the next day but during the summer i'm like a lightweight yeah i don't know i, I don't know if i've never really noticed food affecting i would like what i eat affecting my drinking i don't think it does but maybe I don't know. Of it's course a- it does. It totally, if you have nothing, if you're drinking on an empty stomach, you're done. Yeah. You're just done for. Like you can't, I, I could have one drink on an empty stomach and I'm tipsy. Yeah, I, I do. That's, that's a good point. I mean, I, I think I, I will always drink water before I, I start whiskey straight. I usually just have a glass of water either which way. Um, but other than that, yeah, I, I don't. You're right. I must. I just can't think. It of has it. to. Yeah. It totally does. It, if you ate a pizza and then went out drinking, it, then you would probably be able to like sustain a pretty good buzz for a pretty long time. But if you eat a salad and then head out on the town, you're asking for trouble. You're asking to be in bed by eleven. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but I'm guessing if you have a lot of stuff in your stomach, it takes longer to digest and process alcohol. Maybe. Correct. Yes. Yes. That's what you learn when you get Mark. You need your smart serve. <laughs> <laughs> if you had your smart serve, you would know this. <laughs> oh, good. There's science yeah. behind this, and there's there just... is a science behind it. Somebody's also, already confirmed this. Excellent. Also, did you not hear about eating pizza before you go out? Pizza is the most perfect pre-drinking food in the entire world because it's got everything you need. It's got like a little bit of sugar and like carbohydrates and. It's it's like so perfect to eat pizza before you go out, and then it's even better if you come home and eat more pizza. So that's uh, that's proven. Science has told us this. Science. Science is yeah. awesome. Oh, science. I'm I'm just telling you right now. All right. No, that's that's great. It's good to know. You know, I'm um, I'm I'm drinking this very slowly because, like I said, I had a lot to drink. But um, I got myself. Uh, open, I'm running through the rest of this ball of the Taylor Rye. Man. Oh, I love that ride. Oh, I, I've got to post uh, a review of that. It's so good. I, I think it's, it become my, it became my favorite ride in my cabinet. Oddly enough, um, mm. it was originally it was kind of like it was a little like it was a little subtle. It wasn't kind of the big oak bomb or some of the other uh, bourbons I drink are, and it was it was a little subtle and um, you know kind of had a bit of a quieter voice in the whiskey cabinet. But it just really just started growing on me um, very rapidly, and now it's almost done, and I'm sad. Uh. Did you say a quieter voice in your whiskey cabinet? Yes, I did. That's that... a really amazing way to say that. Amazing. No. <laughs> I love that rhyme. It's so poetic, though, of you. It's just like when you talk about, you know, the bed sheet fluttering and like that. <laughs> I, I got to review that whiskey just so I could use write that down. <laughs> you do. Yeah. You totally do. Um, I am drinking, and pardon me for taking so long to get this thought out because I'm I'm actually reading something at the same time as I'm drinking it. But it's the um it's Jack Daniel's Sinatra Select. Oh, oh my nice. god! Don't tell Trent that I'm drinking this because this was a <laughs> this is a present for him, um, and it usually only gets opened on special occasions. But I figured this Tuesday was as good as any other day. Yeah, I mean Trent's at work. You're at home. This is He's perfect. At work. This is what I do now. So, yeah, I'm drinking the Sinatra Select. I I like it. It's very expensive here in Canada. It's the most I – now that I 
I bought it a, a while ago before I really, really got into whiskey, like where I mm-hmm. drank whiskey and there's always a bottle or two around. Um, but before I sort of appreciated how much money uh, whiskeys could cost. And I like, Trent, you can stop listening now because <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to say that because I know he listens all, I know he listens to it. And if I keep going on and on about how much money I spend on this bottle, but here in Canada, it's relatively difficult ish to find and the it's just really expensive here at the lcbo anyways i'm enjoying it i am i do not find the banana that i always find with jack daniels overwhelming in this it's certainly there um the whole thing was frank sinatra was a jack daniels drinker mm-hmm. um and that was sort of that was it he there was always a bottle there for him uh, and he actually really liked to apparently crack the bottle like his favorite thing was like cracking open the bottle and then pouring drinks and then he would just discard the rest of the whiskey and then when he went for a second drink crack a new bottle oh my god well i mean he's frank so not you can do whatever the hell he wants right that's amazing and terrible (laughs) i know i was gonna say i wonder if mark would have any opinions on like the quality of the you know the first pour is never the best so I guess he really liked to crack that bottle because he was not even getting the best whiskey out of it. Oh, my God. That's amazing and wasteful and weird. What a great, interesting practice. I know. Well, you're right. If you've got money and you're Frank Sinatra, you don't care. You're Frank Sinatra. You could do whatever you wanted. There's actually, I mean, he's a really fascinating character, and I'm a huge Frank Sinatra fan. I'm a bigger Dean Martin fan, but Uh I really like um, Sinatra. So the whole idea of, like, Jack Daniels and Frank Sinatra is really – cool to me and i think we're sort of thinking about doing a show about the connection of whiskey and music and and i'm sort of thinking about frank sinatra a lot and his relationship with whiskey but yeah so jack daniels really got on the frank sinatra train and like i wonder if part of like that cool guy thing drinking jack daniels started with frank sinatra Mm -hmm. and if sort of um because he's kind of a a badass guy yeah Sinatra. like he was kind of like the you know he was um not the like nicest he was you know the boss man and you know had this sort of group of friends around him and he was pretty bossy too and you know had his ties to the mob and like just like a really cool guy like the king of cool and i wonder if that sort of didn't have an effect on you know other musicians being like i'm gonna be cool like frank so oh. they also started drinking jack and then maybe it morphed into this rock star thing where you know then it's like jack daniels is just there and yeah that makes so much sense i mean that that's that's a big brand too i mean like jack daniels mm-hmm. is, is you know you can imagine the influence he had you know it's still uh in the u.s it's 165 bucks for a liter Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I know it costs a little bit more in Canada. It's still not a cheap drink. It's still a lot of money. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it comes with, uh, it comes in this, like, box. It's like, it was a whole thing opening this box and, like, you know, put on Frank Sinatra music. And it's a it's really nice box. And you open it up and there's a booklet inside with, like, all these pictures and stuff. And it's very, very cool. Very cool. It's oaky. It's definitely oaky. Um it's got a little, it's got that sweetness, but it doesn't have that overwhelming banana that I've come to expect from Jack Daniels, which for me makes this very pleasant. Like, it's even less 
banana-y than their single barrel. Yeah. Did uh, you fall down there, Mark? No, Are you I okay? Do you need mic. to come over? <laughs> I hit the mic Did with a bottle. <laughs> oh, having a rough day. <laughs> yeah, a super rough day. Just have a, have a swallow. You'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, you know, what, what do you think of those boxes? Because I... I, I got to say, I really, um, I, I get the whole idea behind the box. Like, I think it's it's nice. And I think it sounds like in this case, this is a really nice box, it's, you know, especially like if it's a gift, it like, it just adds to that, which is great. But in general, I don't get these, the, the big boxes or, or even what's, whatever the fancy name is for those tubes, the, the whiskey tube things. I don't get it. I'm like, I, it's good if you're, you know, if you want to protect the bottles, I guess, but I don't really understand why they feel the need to like box whiskey just give us the bottle that's all it is give us the bottle see i i'm a sucker for like the box because then i feel like it's value added like and this is a special whiskey that deserves a special little home <laughs> i'm a <laughs> but i'm a total sucker box? for that though. so you keep the box oh i'll keep the box and do you keep oh. the whiskey in the box i will keep the whiskey in the box ah interesting yes. It is very, uh, all my tailors are in their, like, in their little cylinders. Um, uh, yeah, I, I totally keep the box. It's, it's a whole experience every time you open the box of whiskey. Like, this whiskey is so special, it needs to be in a box. Well, I kept that um, Highland Park Thor has that um, weird wo- wooden kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's even fancier. That, that is fancy. But I found I never drank it because I'm like, oh, if I drink it, it, I have to like open this up and pull it out. I'm like, ah, I'll save it for next time. And then I never like – and then I, I just eventually just took it out. And that bottle does not look nice. I, I, I am a big fan of whiskey bottles and the sh- shapes and right. kind of the marketing and the lingo on them. So for me, I like the bottle. I don't like a lot of the presentations around the bottle, but, um, but that Thor – bottle is a really boring bottle otherwise like it actually mm-hmm. needs that encapsulation to look interesting because otherwise it just looks eh, it's about whiskey it doesn't doesn't have that impressive uh stance you're right that's and like i love that whiskey that thor is incredible and i'm i is it are you almost done it is yeah it it's gonna finished? be at the heel party i think yes! I, I, I think uh i'm pretty sure it's gonna last till the till because we jamie are gonna do the um host a heel party where people just bring over the last of their whiskeys and um, and we're just gonna put them on a table, and people can drink whatever they want, and everything needs to be finished before. Yeah, uh, everything the night. needs. To be, I've got so many. Honestly, Mark, I've got like six bottles to bring to that thing, maybe seven. Like, I don't. I'm gonna cry because my whiskey collection is gonna look completely decimated after it. Yeah, but it's yeah, and but you really it's do a, need to do it. I think it just that's just what needs oh, to done. Oh, for sure. Because it, oh, it sure. that last sip is gonna be you know after a few months, it's just gonna be like bleh. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's you're it's totally worth it. It's interesting though, going back to what we were talking about with like the boxes and the things. Um, I find the only issue is like logistically fitting the boxes and the cylinders into your whiskey cabinet. Oh yeah, sure, sure. And I mean, that's the only thing that I could say negatively about it. Otherwise, I love it. Well, and I think for me, the other, I, I think the real reason why I don't like keeping them around is. I, I could tend to be clumsy. Having that extra bit of like needing to like do extra steps before I pour whiskey is just like, <laughs> you know, just creates an opportunity where things can fall and break. And that's not good. <laughs> that's just not, not good. <laughs> I did not know that. That's so funny. I liked, I like, I, yeah, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, I noticed, I guess you don't really have a lot of whiskey boxes in your amazing no. collection. 
No, I throw them out. I really do. I throw them out. I used to keep them around, and then I realized I was I was hoarding boxes, and I'm like, I don't. What am I gonna do with this? So I know it's I, true. It's true. I just literally just throw them out, um, and and that's that's it. Yeah, I agree with you. The Taylor Taylor ones are pretty neat. The covers are very cool. This very cool. They look awesome, and they look so when you've got a bunch of them lined up right next to each other, it's like, hey guys, <laughs> I got you some look Taylor. awesome. Yeah, exactly. You look great. Um. But so we're going to do a heel party, but also we've got something coming up on Thursday. And do I get the inside scoop on it or are you allowed to tell me what our tasting is going to be? Um, yeah, I'll do. Um, I'll, I think the way I'm going to set this up, so it's going to be a blind tasting again. But this time around, it's going to be um, it's going to be like same drinks or similar drinks at different proof levels. So you'll have something at 40% proof and 50% proof that's either from the same distillery um, that, that kind of gives you, like, how does proof level affect the flavor? It, it's a very, like, it's more of a general thing because obviously, like, it's not the same drink. It hasn't been aged for the same amount of time. But I do have a, I do have a few good examples um, to, to, uh, to do, like, three rounds uh, of it. And, um, yeah, and not there's some of them are going to be completely blind. Others are going to be, like, here's the two bottles of what we're drinking. Um, so that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I mean that sounds like a little nerve wracking. Like the yeah, ooh, that's scary. Well, it's a good, it's a good, it's an interesting discussion uh, where how proof affects flavor and whether uh, with like if you water down the higher proof whiskey, how is it, the flavor gonna compare to to the to the lesser proof one? Um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Um, I don't I think I've got enough for three rounds. So it's gonna be like three quick rounds. I think I don't think it'll be uh, much longer than that. It's on Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. on Thursday. So like we everyone has to work on Friday. Not that that's ever stopped us before from going out after one of your tastings, but <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I know it's it's funny. A lot of tastings we do we typically do during the week. <laughs> well, there you go. That's life. Uh... Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be super fun. And we'll see if we can get some really hilarious um, little voice snaps in there. See if we can get Glenford saying something absolutely hilarious. Oh, yeah. I think we should just read his tasting notes out loud. I think so, too. I think that should be a whole segment where we just look through uh, Glenn's whiskey taste note book <laughs> thing and be like, let us see what Glenford thinks about whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, he's just like, I, I think it's the lawyer in him. He's just like writing down the conversation. I think, <laughs> I sometimes I like to add to his notes because I feel like it really, you know, makes them better. Yeah. <laughs> I like to draw doodles on the, his notepad and I think it's great. I think it's that's super awesome. Fun. Um, oh. But yeah, so that's going to be fun on Thursday. And then, um, what else is going on? Well, Japan uh, sent whiskey into space. Oh, yeah. So the news, the big news. Well, yeah. the whiskey news of the week. Yeah, seriously. Well, I mean, Art, first of all, Artbeg already did this. Second Artbeg of all, already did this. This has been is, checked off the list. Whiskey in space has been checked off the list, I think. I mean, it's not like, you know, I mean, I don't think it's going to be. And we were there. So we, we, we got a little bit more insight on the whole Artbeg thing where when uh, they got sent into space. They actually had, like, um, capsules where they had the exact same thing on earth and in space and then they would break the capsule at the same time so that the oak would mix with the whiskey and i mean it really is kind of a bit of a gimmick because i mean there's no um you know i mean 
there's no real like aging in that kind of environment, right? Because it's not like it's a barrel in an environment. They didn't send out a giant barrel. That no, would be cool. They, they sent like a like a piece of wood, right? And that's yeah. what they put inside. So the uh, the whole experiment was to see if what effect space had on aging or flavor or aging. Well, I guess a little bit of both. Yeah, sure, sure. And then I the mean, results yeah. won't be out until, like, September or something. The scientists are reviewing, which is, I mean, that's kind of neat. I mean, I might, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm guessing it's not going to have, well, I don't know. Actually, it might have a different result because it all depends on pressure and, I guess, all this other stuff. But, um, but yeah, and now, uh, you know, Japanese are doing the same thing. They're sending their whiskey into space. And I'm like, ah, oh, more gimmicks. I mean, come on. I mean, I have one question, which is, okay, after they've done all their experiments on it, and I'm sure they're, you know, they're gonna, you know, run the whiskey through a computer and like figure out, you know, taste like molecules and this and that. And but like, who gets to drink that whiskey after it's done? Like, do they do rock paper scissors? Like all the scientists oh, and they're like, who gets to drink the famous whiskey from space? Oh, absolutely. That's a great question. I, I mean, know. somebody's gonna be drinking it. Somebody has to. It would be a shame if that just lived in science forever. Like, I think someone deserves to have a sip of that whiskey. Yeah, scientists Eventually. are weird like that. They they sometimes do just like to hold things. They're like, well, this has been a space. It's historical. So we're just going to keep this. I'm Put like, it on no. the shelf. No, that's like, it goes against everything that whiskey people stand for, which is like, you drink that right now. Like, yeah, once you're yeah. done experimenting with it, like, fine. You can keep a little bit. Like, in, but somebody needs to drink that whiskey. It's very important to me that I find out who drinks that whiskey. <laughs> And if they enjoyed it or, like, what was going on there. I mean, you know, it'd have to be on lockdown because I, for, for me, I'd be like, I'll just pour myself a tiny pour. It's been it's a like, long well, day. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I have enough whiskey here, aged in space. Let all, me, this, uh... all this science has made me really thirsty. <laughs> um, I, you know what? We should do predictions. Do you, do you think there'll be a difference in the yard? Because the, the results won't be in until, like, three or four weeks from now. So... Do we think that age – we have absolutely no – like, obviously, we're, we have no prequel – like, no knowledge no, here that is not even going to give a remotely educated <laughs> I mean, educated guess here. I but, have uh, seen Apollo 13, like, 10 Okay, times. that's fair. That's fair. That's a good movie. And, it, yeah, I mean, they didn't drink whiskey, but <laughs> but you got an idea. Of, but that's actually a good but point. But now I feel like physics. I know about space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, so, so, like, um, hmm. Okay, I'm just going to like take a shot in the dark and say the whiskey from space tastes like is like the best whiskey that's ever been made. It's like, you know, the the aliens came when the the <laughs> astronauts were asleep and like made it the best whiskey ever. And now all whiskey Ooh. will have to go to space if they want to make the best whiskey ever. I'm just going to I'm going to put that out there. So the uh, theory is that there's um, aliens in space that were waiting for this one moment in time. They were like, yes, finally, they sent whiskey up. We're they gonna, get their we're chance make it to shine. That's right. Yeah. All right. All I right. mean, I, I... Uh, I'm no astronaut or scientist, but <laughs> I'm just going to say, yes, it's going to taste. I, literally, I, I, it's a 50%. Like, yes, it's going to taste better than the one on Earth. Done. Hmm. All right. I'm... I think I'm going to take the opposite view. I'm going to take Excellent. the view of uh, it doesn't – I don't – I can't see – the way I understand a test being, which is, you know, basically just oh, floating in spirit and what that's going to – how that's going to affect the whiskey. Um, I, 
I would say maybe the space one would have slight advantages. Maybe like I don't know when it went into space, the wood you know had more cracked more or something, right? Like there's like it, it, the shaking caused some sort of because uh, the whiskey wasn't being aged during liftoff. It's just uh, the they were kept separate. So maybe like that had a little bit of effect. Maybe it's slightly better. I don't know, but I'm gonna go with it's probably not really noticeably any different. It's probably about the same because how much can gravity really affect something like a liquid aging? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. glad we don't see it eye to eye on this one. It'll be really interesting to see who wins. What should we? What should we bet each other? What should we bet? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, a bottle of Art Bag. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a bottle. That's an expensive bet. Damn. I know. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. I don't know. But you know what? I I know what we'll do. Uh, we'll we'll have to. We'll uh, whomever wins gets the other person's favorite uh, heel bottle. Ah. So it's yep. one of those like, you know, one or two fingers left in the bottle, you get it. Yep. Done. That, okay. That's a good that's one. That's a good one. Uh but I sort of like I love gimmicky I love gimmicky stuff. Like I'm on board. I'm definitely like I'm a purist in a way, but if you if you have a gimmick, um it intrigues me and I'll probably pay attention to you which I think is like the whole point like people like me that are kind of like suckers a little bit um but I kind of like I kind of like gimmicks I'm 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 on board for your your gimmicky story I'm on board for you putting your (laughs) bourbon out on the ocean like I want to taste that so yeah I I like I like the whole idea of doing uh uh putting whiskey into space and then you know seeing what happens and hey it's uh if it gets you to pay attention and it like you know, as long as your gimmick isn't like, I'm going to make this terrible whiskey and put all this weird flavoring in it. Like, that's not a gimmick. But right. I, I like the sort of like, sort of like art bag style of like, you know, elbowing you and being like, hey, look what we do with this one. Or like, this has got kind of a cool story or, you know. And it, and it does work. I mean, I, oh, I, yeah. I, think I think I mentioned this story before, but it's when I was like literally shopping through Kentucky or, or Kansas City. Can't remember. I think it was maybe Kansas City. And I picked up uh, Arbeck Supernova, and the and the lady behind the counter, she's like, "Oh, that's the one that went into space." I'm like, "Well, there you go. not this one in particular." She's like, no, that exact the, the whiskey in that bottle went into space. I'm like, "Oh, really? Didn't? It oh. Really didn't? She only skimmed the article that she read on that." Yeah, yeah. we all skim the best articles. That's the problem. She just, <laughs> I know it's true. But she only skimmed that article. So, I mean, you know, good for her. She kind of knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Yeah, cool. she, she knew. And, I mean, it, it is it is it was the Ardbeg Supernova. So that association is so there. Like, they, yep. they did a good job with that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, sign me up for, for any of that sort of stuff. I, and I think that's kind of fun about Ardbeg is they are sort of a – they do this sort of often. They're a little, like, tongue-in-cheek about their stuff, which I, I appreciate. I think, you know – whiskey can be so stuffy sometimes um and to have a little bit of fun with it um i feel like it can be so serious so which is funny because the, the it makes you drunk which makes you silly for the most part like i don't know <laughs> right. me silly and i don't speak for everybody it's sometimes people get very serious when they're drunk but the whole purpose of it is to sort of like add this like levity to a situation where you're like in a restaurant with your friends or a bar and you're like you know you have a whiskey and you feel good and right 
I find that sometimes it's a little, like, gets a little bogged down. So I like that our bag is, like, you know, this super scotchy scotch, like, super crazy peated scotch for probably a very serious whiskey drinker. But they've managed to have a lot of fun with it, which I love. Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. And, I mean, a lot of this, um, I mean, a lot of this does affect, um, does affect our enjoyment of the drink, which is great. I was reading this article posted by Markham Whiskey on uh, Twitter about how this, um, you know, how music, how like basically this really famous, like famous uh, symphony uh, they play, they usually fill out like, a th- you know, seats people pay between a hundred to a thousand dollars. And then they had them playing at like a metro station where nobody knew who they were. And they managed to get all of $32 in tips, like after playing there for a little while. And it, the whole idea being is like, you weren't really expecting this to be a, you know, the person playing at the subway station wasn't expected to be good. Right. Um, they're just like, some, you know, somebody that's, you know, making money, quote unquote. I mean, I, um, and so they didn't, nobody was taking them very seriously. Meanwhile, you know, people pay, you know, thousands of dollars to see the symphony. And it's that interesting a concept of like how much of our experience is packaged in this. And, and why shouldn't it be? I mean, we're, we're human beings We're this is mm-hmm. the way we work. We love these things. If we wanted to drink just to have a drink, we, uh, you know, there's a lot of other very, uh, you know, cheaper alcohols we could have. Uh, but yeah, whiskey comes with that story and comes with that packaging. And I think that's great. I think that's good. I mean, I think reviewing whiskey, whiskey, that's why we do a lot of blind tastings. We want to separate that out. But when talking about whiskey, of course, you want to talk about the story. You want to present it. You want to have it be interesting. The storytelling is so important to whiskey that, yeah, I, I agree. Uh I also need to read that article. How do you think this relates to, you know, something like Templeton Rye, right? Because they they were sued mm-hmm. because they uh, were selling themselves as Prohibition-era style whiskey. Um, and, I mean, I guess there really was no factual evidence for that. They, they basically used a flavoring to make it taste similar to what they think Prohibition whiskey tasted like or something like that, really. Um, so that's a good example of here. They had a good story and there was a very successful product and now they got sued for it. You kind of have to be okay with what you are and what you do, I guess, on the first, like, it's nice to have a story, but that's the problem when like, it sort of like supersedes the, you know, and Templeton Rye is a good product alone and it didn't, it probably didn't need to call itself what it did, but it did need to call itself prohibition you know, recipe if it's mm-hmm. not, but that's, they were obviously targeting a very certain sort of like um, contingent of people that are looking for a craft prohibition. Like, I'm just going to say it. I think they were looking to like hipsterize. Yeah. They, they wanted to appeal to hipsters um, and to the people that are sort of like in it right now and, and, you know, buying as much rye as possible, I think they just sort of got lost in that piece. And it's unfortunate because they have a great product. They didn't have to create, like, they didn't have to make up a story. Yeah. In order to, the whiskey will speak for itself. And and it, I think maybe they just got too worried about that storytelling piece, that whiskey piece. And it's hard. It's, I guess, you know, like nowadays, you know, you're, it's a huge investment, like to open a distillery or, you know, to get your craft product out there. And maybe they just sort of panicked and were like, well, how are we going to sell? How are we going to make it different? 
Yeah. How are we gonna How are we gonna compete? Well, especially and, in the market where I mean, their whiskey was made by N- N- MGP, uh, mm-hmm. where you know Bullet Rye, George Dickel Rye, all these really big companies started using the same uh, distillery, but also. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a lot of competition in the space of, you know, of um, quote-unquote craft handmade uh, rise that aren't really crafty or handmade. Although, um, you know what, I, I was, uh, one of uh, the, the notes from, uh, one of the chapters from Reed Mutenbler's book were interesting because he actually said MGP of Indiana is actually one of the oldest distilleries in, in America. Like, it's actually got a lot of history. Um, you know, this isn't some factory that was put up like three months ago and now, you know, well, right. whatever. And, and it was, that was mass producing rise. They've been doing this for a very long time and they make very good rise. Right. Um, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting study of how these factories, uh, saw this one distillery makes so many different brands and how these brands distinguish themselves by saying things like prohibition era style or adding a little flavoring or, you know, getting behind a big brand like Bullet Rye, which you know was going to sell really well. Right. Um, so it's an interesting how these companies work and, of course, completely ignoring the craft handmade part of it. It's like, nope, not not that. And like we've said multiple times on, on here, like craft, I, I think it has its place. I think that so many people like craft organic whatever i think i think so many people have just come to conflate craft with quality or naturalness that you know is you know it doesn't necessarily mean that something like maker's mark isn't also doing something that is like also like Maker's Mark is using real corn and all this and, and, and real rye. Sorry, Maker's Mark is not using rye. <laughs> <laughs> right. In that case, no. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to pick the one weeded friggin' example when I start talking about this. But, yeah, I think that, like, you know, maybe in when it comes to, like, food and other things, craft, organic, like, local, all that stuff, it has a huge meaning to people. But it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily translate to whiskey, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think that, you know, people all say, like you say, craft and organic and people's ears perk up and they're like, yes, I want it. Yeah. I want that one. I want that. The small, I want the craft one. The big one is crap. The, the small guys are better. And, um, which we know isn't necessarily the case, but Templeton probably, you know, fell victim to the fact that, you know, that's just the way people think nowadays, I guess. Yeah, and they were they were a and big they success. panicked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it just you know, it's it's too bad really because they sort of they have to give money back to people, and I don't know if I don't know if that's like the way to go about making change is by giving people their money back. Like I don't know, I don't know. It, there's something that feels very weird about it to me. I think that perhaps change could have come about in another way without having to refund all these people you know what is it 30 bucks or something from yeah a bottle or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how many people actually take them up on it i I think you know where you fall on this issue really depends on um you know there's i think some people think well of course it's of course you know it wasn't prohibition era whiskey. Why would you think that? Just because it says it on the bottle. Well, what about bottled and bond? Is bottled and bond, uh, you know, I mean, it's an actual act, and we. It and is we, an actual thing. It is an actual thing, which is good. Um, but um, 
and it does mean things, so that's good. Like it's still defined under law. Um, but do you think a lot of these ball and bond um, are really like trying to take something old um, that's been around for a long time and just reusing it as a way of distinguishing their, their whiskey from you know other products? Probably, yeah, of course. It's become more of like a it's like part of the line extension for a product, right? So you have like. You have this version and that version and this version and that version. I think the the and I personally, it's it's fine with me. Like I, it doesn't it to me. I I like bottle and bond stuff. Like I like that it's you know higher proof. I that's mostly what I really like about bottled and bond is mm-hmm. like there's already s- sort of strict enough uh, rules on bourbon that you know it to me it's just sort of like just like that extra step, which I kind of like. I like you can you can find some pretty good bottled and bond stuff for pretty pretty nice amount. But I think it's again you're you're pro- you're right. It's it doesn't exactly mean as much maybe as we want it to mean. But I yeah. yeah so we should we should we should explain. So um, yes. bottle and bond. Um, it's a act passed in eighteen ninety seven. It was a really dark time of bourbon. They um, a lot of whiskey makers basically added like poisons literally poisons and flavoring and vodka and and like just you weren't you were buying whiskey but it wasn't actually whiskey so this was such an important issue that um you know uh, a couple of big names in the whiskey world including uh taylor went in and um had passed this you know pushed forward this law that made sure that uh it was uh, all whiskey bald and bond is in the a federally bonded warehouse um and back in the day they actually had locks and you know the government would actually come by and, and count barrels and make sure that it's legit like this is that they're properly aged barrels um they have to it has to be at least uh, 50 percent alcohol uh made in the same distillery and during the same year um and aged a uh, minimum of four years and i think there's a few other additional labeling requirements there so if it's like um the distillery name has to be on the bottle and then there's a few other little things like that so overall a really good act like i mean a really great way to define mm-hmm. whiskey uh, there's no additives to it um Certainly, like straight rye and straight bourbon, the name straight has a lot of those restrictions already, but not the APV. You can have, you know, ABV rather. You can have, you know, 40% or more to, to be considered straight, uh, whereas this bald and bond gives you 50%, which is great. Um, and it does seem like distilleries are using this as code work, like, hey, here's a whiskey for whiskey drinkers, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good which way of is, looking at it, right? Yeah, like, actually, yeah, totally. This, is, this isn't starter whiskey. This isn't starter whiskey. It's not yeah. 40% alcohol. It's not like, but it's good whiskey for if you're a whiskey drinker that enjoys whiskey, this is a good way to go. And um, we've talked about Williams Baldwin Bond being, you know, a, a good product. Um, certainly the Taylor line from Buffalo Trace, all Baldwin Bond. Um, yeah, and it's just a matter of time before we'll have some crappy Baldwin Bond product. I'll be like, yeah, take advantage of this trend. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's always, you know, it's probably sitting in a warehouse somewhere waiting to be unleashed on the market. But I mean, I guess at the end of the day, hopefully not, because I think the whole purpose of it, obviously the whole purpose on it was so that people didn't die from drinking bad whiskey. Um, And also that, like, I mean, which is, you know, it, it creates trust like in the industry. And so, you know, that trust. And I guess this is what is so such a bummer about Templeton is that they broke the trust of their consumers. And that's a big enough kick in the pants, I think, for them. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's it might be slightly hard to get to recover from that, even if they didn't owe them owe people money. It it might still just be you know whiskey so much like there you can get so much information from those bottles, and if they're the information is on the bottle, then it's usually on the website or whatever. Um, but people really do want to know where their stuff comes from. And um, they do not like when you <laughs> aren't aren't honest about it, which is, yeah, fair. Yeah, I mean, the whole movement, I mean, the craft movement right now is, is about authenticity, really. I <laughs> yeah, mean, yep. If you look at it that way, I mean, craft is more, it's about an authentic whatever product you're having. You want your authentic grown cabbage or kale or a beer. You want an authentic experience that has gone through an authentic process. And you're really... You're willing to forgive um, potentially some, you know, you're willing to get a cucumber that doesn't quite look like that perfect cucumber you buy at the store, but, you know, somebody, like, grew that in their garden or had a smaller production. And uh, craft beer certainly can get very funky and odd tasting, uh, but that's part of the experience. Um, And then with whiskey, um, you kind of want that as well, perhaps, Um, but, you know, it's you want an authentic experience, and when you have distilleries saying they're craft, but meanwhile, you have Maker's Mark that uh, won the second lawsuit. So they, they yeah. make, Maker's Mark was sued, had a couple of class action lawsuits, um, and they've won their second class action lawsuit as far as like uh, getting it thrown out of court. Um, you know, under the grounds that they are, you know, it's it is handmade and um, and and everything else. And I think you know, owners of Maker's Mark, Jim Beam, is pretty good about that because they don't they don't claim handmade on you know all their products. Right. right? I. I had to shut my mouth because I had always thought like the same thing. I was like, handmade, like what a load of hooey that is because look at their facility. But I was wrong. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, no, nobody's, um, nobody's saying that it's like, you know, it's like a small distillery that's, you know, where hands are present in every single step of the way, but certainly it's more than I, Thought. so they won their second one um tito's vodka is still is still hurting um <laughs> but uh maker's mark is winning so i guess that gives us uh, some hope i mean i some guess the legal system the legal system is working in a way um ideally it would be great if the government just you know kind of define defined rules and regulations but i don't know americans aren't a big fan of a lot of legislation yeah canada we love legislation they legislate everything here i mean really come on i know <laughs> i know it's true but always, whatever product you're making, like transparency is probably your best bet. Uh, we're moving in that direction. At the end of the day, I guess that's, you know, maybe five years ago, consumer, consumers didn't care as much or they were more likely to buy like stuff for branding. But I think that's changing. And I do think um, as whiskey becomes more popular, the people that are kind of that are really pushing those edge products are likely going to care and do more research and uh, you know, losses like this don't don't help the industry in general. They just, you know, they make consumers generally suspicious of what they see, which isn't good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. So we'll chat with you next week. Thanks, Mark. Whiskey.